Chapter one, take two, two. You sure about this? Rachel asked again, blowing softly on the surface of her steaming cup of tea. They were sitting at their usual table at tea and sympathy, and Nick had just invited her to spend the summer with him in Asia. Rachel, I'd love it if you came, Nick reassured her. You weren't planning on teaching this summer, so what's your worry? Think you won't be able to handle the humidity? No, that's not it. I know you're going to be so busy with your best man duties, and I wouldn't want to distract you, Rachel said. What distraction? Colin's wedding is only going to take up the first week in Singapore, and then we can spend the rest of the summer just bumming around Asia. Come on, let me show you where I grew up. I want to take you to all my favourite haunts. Will you show me the sacred cave where you lost your virginity? Rachel teased, arching an eyebrow playfully. Definitely. We can even stage a reenactment, Nick laughed. Slamming jam and clotted cream onto a scone still warm from the oven. And doesn't a good friend of yours live in Singapore? Yes, Paiklin, my best friend from college, Rachel said. She's been trying to get me to come and visit for years. All the more reason! Rachel, you're going to love it. And I just know you're going to flip out over the food. You do realise Singapore is the most food-obsessed country on the planet. Well, just watching the way you fawn over everything you eat, I figured it's pretty much the national sport. Remember Calvin Trillin's New Yorker piece on Singapore street foods? I'll take you to all the local dives even he doesn't know about. Nick took another bite of his fluffy scone and continued with his mouthful. I know how much you love these scones. Just wait till you try Amar's. Oh, your Amar bakes scones? Rachel tried to imagine a traditional Chinese grandmother preparing this quintessential English confection. Well, she doesn't exactly bake them herself, but she has the best scones in the world. You'll see. Nick said, turning around reflexively to make sure no one in the cosy little spot had overheard him. He didn't want to become a persona non grata at his favourite cafe for carelessly pledging alliance to another scone, even if it was his grandmother's. At a neighbouring table, the girl huddled behind a three-tiered stand piled high with finger sandwiches was getting increasingly excited by the conversation she was overhearing. She suspected it might be him, but now she had absolute confirmation. It was Nicholas Young. Even though she was only 15 at the time, Celine Lim never forgot the day Nicholas strolled past their table at Pulau Club and flashed the devastating grin of his at her sister Charlotte. Is that one of the Leong brothers? their mother had asked. No, that's Nicholas Young, a cousin of the Leongs, Charlotte replied. Philip Young's boy? Ayah! When did he shoot up like that? He's so handsome now, Mrs. Lim exclaimed. He's just back from Oxford. Double major in history and law, Charlotte added, anticipating her mother's next question. Why didn't you get up and talk to him? Mrs. Lim said excitedly. Why should I bother when you swat away every guy who dares come near? Charlotte answered curtly. A la muck, stupid girl. I'm only trying to protect you from fortune hunters. This one you'd be lucky to have. This one you can cheong. Celine couldn't believe her mother was, was actually encouraging her big sister to snatch this boy. She stared curiously at Nicholas now laughing animatedly with his friend at a table under a blue and white umbrella by the pool. Even from afar, he stood out in high relief. Unlike the other fellows with their regulation Indian barbershop haircuts, Nicholas had perfectly tousled black hair, chiseled Cantonese pop idol features, and impossibly thick eyelashes. He was the cutest, dreamiest guy she'd ever seen. Charlotte, why don't you go over and invite him to your fundraiser on Saturday? Their mother kept on. Stop it, Mum, Charlotte smiled through gritted teeth. I know what I'm doing. As it turned out, Charlotte did not know what she was doing, since Nicholas never showed up at her fundraiser, much to their mother's eternal disappointment. But that afternoon at Palau Club left such an incredible mark on Salon's adolescent memory. Six years later, and on the other side of the planet, she still recognised him. Hannah, let me get a picture of you with your delicious sticky toffee pudding, Celine said, taking out her camera phone. She pointed in the direction of her friend, but serendipitously trained the lens on Nicholas. She snapped the photo and immediately emailed it to her sister, who now lived in Atherton, California. Her phone pinged minutes later. Big sis. OMFG. That's Nick Young. Where are you? Celine Lim. TNS. Big sis. Who's the girl he's with? Celine Lim. GF, I think. Looks ABC. Big sis. Hmm. Do you see a ring? Celine Lim. No ring. Big sis. PLS, spy for me. Celine Lim. You owe me big time. 
Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Chapter 1, Take 2, the podcast where we read the book, watch the film, and discuss the adaptation. My name is Maddie. And I'm Brianna. And this week we are covering the delightful book, Crazy Rich Asians. March. We've been dating for over a year now, and I think it's about time people met my beautiful girlfriend. What about us taking an adventure east? Like Queens? By Kevin Kwan. Kevin Kwan, written in 2013 and then adapted into the fantastic and incredibly successful rom-com film by John M. Chu in 2018. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's the book we're covering. Great, great, great. Um, do you want to guess what it has on Rotten Tomatoes? Have you already looked it up? I haven't looked it up expressly, but I believe it's 98%. It's 91%. Oh, it's gone down since the article that I read. How recently was that? I don't know. Probably when it came out. Oh, okay. In two years. Sure, sure. 6.9 on IMDb. Yeah. Am I getting straight into Maddie's facts? Do you want me to do a summary first? Go for it. Are you going to summarize the book or the film? Because they are a little bit different. I will do a general summary and that will cover both. Lovely. Take it away, Brianna. Crazy Rich Asians is a story of Rachel and Nick and their relationship. (laughs) Rachel and Nick. Nick invites Rachel to fly home with him for the summer uh, to Singapore. She does not know that that Nick is an incredibly rich person and that he comes from an incredibly rich family in Singapore. It's so weird that he doesn't tell her. Yeah, it is. And so she is a little bit shell-shocked when she arrives to find out that Rich that Nick lives in a fabulous mansion and has an incredibly rich family and goes to lavish parties and has like exorbitant amounts of wealth. Um, There's quite a number of cultural tensions Mm, mm. uh, because Rachel is American born Chinese. Yes, ABC. ABC. And you, you get um, quite a deep dive into the world of, um, of Singaporean rich families and um, the difference between old money and new money in Singapore and people who immigrated from China to Singapore. And um, there is a parallel plot that goes along with Rachel and Nick's struggles because Nick's mother does not like Rachel. And that is with Astrid and Michael. Astrid is also rich, maybe even richer than Nick. Um, and she is married to Michael, who is a military man um, and doesn't come from a rich background, ha- but has, however, started an internet startup company um, and is trying to make his own wealth. But Astrid discovers that Michael may or may not be having an affair mm, and they boy. break up over the course of the, the, the book slash film. And it's about her dealing with that and learning why Michael may or may not be having an affair. And those two stories are paralleled because Michael is from a poor family and Rachel also from a poor family. Not even particularly poor. Just poor in comparison. Yeah, not poor. Like, Rachel still went to a... Yeah, Rachel is not poor. She's middle class in America. But she... They all... Everybody in this film and the book make up some of the wealthiest people in the world. Yes. No matter... Whether or not they're bringing in the millions or just the hundred thousands. They yeah, are. That's, that's right. Everyone in this film is in the top billion wealthiest people on the planet. Yeah, so everybody is brought together in Singapore over Colin Coo's and Araminta Lee's wedding, which is considered the social event of the century, basically, in Singapore. Um, Nick is the best man, mm. and Astrid is a cousin, so she's invited, and Michael's invited, and... Um, Everything comes to a, actually, everything comes to a culmination after the wedding in the book and during the wedding in the film. Yes. So. The timelines are quite different. And I'm just going to spoil it. Uh, Astrid and Michael don't get back together in this book. And um, Nick and Rachel stay together, but not without any family members' blessings But in the book, but with mom's blessing in the movie. Yeah, the film has much more of a classical rom-com ending, whereas the book as we often find, is either much more realistic or much more less less optimistic, less fairy tale ending. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that, so let's dive in. Tell me tell me your facts. My many facts. Have you looked at the budget or the box office? I believe in the one of the articles I read that the budget was thirty five million. 
Oh yes, so my, my budget's just 30 million, but it's around that mark. Which yep. is so fascinating to me. What's fascinating to me about it is that they were actually offered more money from Netflix to produce this film, but they went with a, less, a lesser budget from Warner Brothers because they wanted to prove that an all-Asian cast could be successful and could get a film under a major like production company. Oh. Yeah, so they were offered, I think, $100 million from Netflix to put this film on, but they turned it down. That's fascinating, because that would have meant that they paid the performers. Oh, no, do the performers get paid afterwards as well if the film makes money, depending on what kind of contract you have? I have no idea how performers get paid in Hollywood. I would be fascinated to know, but that is very interesting. Yes. I'm sure they get a cut of based on how successful the film is. Yes, yes, yeah, you're right. Budget of $30 million and cu- accumulatively worldwide box office at the last reading of me earlier today, $238.5 million. So absolutely a critical and financial success, which Mm. it absolutely should be and was very enjoyable. The cast, I'm just going to read it off IMDb because it is quite a long list and star-studded. Rachel Chu is played by the wonderful Constance Wu. Nick Young by Henry Golding. Michelle Yeoh plays um, Eleanor Young very well. Very maniacally. Maniacal laugh. Um, the beautiful Astrid Young Tio is played by Gemma Chan. Ama is played by Lisa Liu. Um, Aquafina, of course, plays, plays Peg Lin. Charlie Wu, played by Harry Shu Jr. Wei Moon Go, played by Ken Jong. Araminta Lee, played by Sonia Mizuno. Colin Chu, played by Chris Pang. Eddie Ching is played by Ronnie Chu. Oh my god, there's so many people. Oliver Tissi. I think we could probably stick to just the main cast. But there's, they're all just so good. It's played by Nikki Santos. Nico, Nico Santos. Sorry, I'll I'll stop there. But they just, I just, name, they all deserve to be named. They all deserve to be named. And that's all I want to say. Oh, I'll just say one more, which is um, Kiri Chu, who is Rachel Chu's mum. It's played by Kian Huan Tan. I'll, I'll leave the list there. Did Do you, you know that yeah. Henry yes. Golding, relative unknown, like, literally... Before the film? Yeah, he had only really done, like... I think it's, like, travel ads kind of thing. Oh, sure. He is very handsome. Um, and he was... He actually turned down the role, like, twice or something because he was like, you need to give it to a real actor, not a real actor. But I think he did a stunning job. He did a great job. And yeah. I, he had a great accent. Um, just... I'm only saying that because um, they explicitly... A lot of them have Oxford English accents because they um, super wealthy are sent away to American or English schools to be educated overseas. Yeah. Um, and he sounded fantastic. Uh, when you were summarizing the book slash film, what I was thinking of is how much this book emphasizes my point about the importance of reading stories that are different from your own and learning from their perspective because of like the term um, American born Chinese ABC and this whole demographic of people like people who are extremely wealthy Asians I didn't know anything about the demographic I didn't know anything about that term and I really like how this is a fictional story but I found it very educational as well yeah it was really interesting to look like I didn't know that there was such social stratification between you know mainland of Chinese American born Chinese no. and then like I didn't I, I I mean I know that obviously there are like we say Asian Asian's a really broad term it's incredibly broad um and it's it's a little bit it's almost it's it's a wash really yeah it is you know you know I've been trying to read about this um and like Asian representation but Asian representation is complicated because a lot of people when we think Asian we think we think of the Sandra O's and um the Michelle no I was thinking someone else um okay it'll come to me sure and we think of Constance Wu but there's also like um Jamil Jamil you know who's also Asian, but we don't often think about that. And um, there was um, a lot of criticism in the film about um, who got roles and how, you know, you know, like, for example, neither Lane nor her mother are Korean, but their class is Korean. They're like, that's their character. It's Korean in in Gilmore Girls. Yes. And there's that kind of, it's not whitewashing, but it's like that similar washing thing, like just casting any Asian as another Asian 
but you know this one's not actually Korean. This one's not actually Japanese. This one's not actually Chinese. But they're being played. They're playing yes, each well, other, hopping around. Yeah. For example, if I Google stand-up Asian American comedian, we have a huge range of demographics. Whether that's um, Ronnie Chin, who is in this film, mm-hmm. or um, Aziz Ansari, which is it's complicated. <laughs> That's complicated. Um, Ali, controversial contra- performer. Controversial, yes. Um, Ali Wong, who we've seen a couple of her stand-ups, um, which is really funny, which she's pregnant. Yeah, yeah. and she's also in um, Definitely Be, be, be my, Always My Maybe. Definitely Be My Maybe. That, and that's great. Is it, yeah, Always Be My Maybe. Definitely Be My Maybe. Oh, there's one called... Because there's the, the one the, 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 with the, Mandy Moore, and there's this one, and the titles... Mandy oh, Moore. no, it's not Mandy Moore. No, it's, it's, um, got, um, Ryan, it's got the boy, yeah. It's got Ryan Gosling. No, not Gosling. Not Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. Oh, my God. It's like all the Ryans, all the Chris's. Like, yeah, they're all yeah, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's um, Hassan Mi Minha, Minhaj. Yeah. That's terrible. I'm so sorry. I'm Yeah. Who is also, we've watched his um, stand-up on Netflix, which was fantastic. And then Trevor Noah. Like, these, yeah, like, but- like. This is like this is a massive range of people from all kinds of different ethnicities, and it's all they're all coming up under like Asian American yeah, comedians because yeah, yeah. we're just a- Asians like we're just grouping them all together. It's an, it's yeah, it's an ethnically ambiguous term. So I don't know what my point was. I don't know what your point was either. We were talking about Henry. I got sidetracked. Henry. He was a relative unknown, and he changed on the role a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. I sorry, I took your point away, but I but I thought it was a very valid point, which is why when I googled that. And it just came up with all these people who are very different from each other. Yeah, but I mean, they all did a stunning job. Absolutely. Apparently, Absolutely. Um, from the so so this is another interesting thing. So um, <laughs> just because we're, we're kind of talking about casting right now, um, yes, we there are. were exactly a lot what casting of Hollywood execs who were like, "Yo, Rachel should be white." What? Yeah. What? Yeah. Fuck! That would have been a shit show, right? That would have been so bad if, if that had happened. This film would have bombed. Yeah, okay, people would have. Been, I agree. People would have been so angry. Yeah, I am so glad. It- Who is out here, like not paying attention to the political climate and going like, "Well, we talk- <laughs> Rachel should be white." Bree and I talk about this off the podcast Why? sometimes, where we talk about how when you are so wealthy or separated from, I guess in quotations, normal society, you can you are detached. From that, like, oh, I'm reading the social context, and they're just like, oh, this is a great idea. People, people want to see this demographic, and it's like that's not true at all. Like, I loved this film, and I'm as a white woman. Oh yeah, I, 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 I don't need Rachel to be white to no. enjoy her story. I mean, she is given a very, and you would have lost all that stuff we were just talking about, like not knowing that there was like American-born Chinese and mainlander Chinese, like all of that. Um, yeah. understanding of their culture and and we have those s- issues we wouldn't we wouldn't get a glimpse into that because it would all be like no she's white why are you bringing a white girl home yeah and there's still and that's a different issue that's a different that's a different it's thing. a different story and, I, and i'm sure that we have still whitewashed whole groups because when you think about like kevin kwan like kevin to me is quite a white name and rachel and nick like to me these are all very british or american names hmm. and we i feel like we have what is it called when people assimilation? Yeah, we've assimilated because we're like, oh, we don't want to learn how to pronounce um, names that are different from English American to our own, so we don't want to learn how to pronounce them properly. Yeah, so people the, just change them. There was some criticism. I so I read a lot of really good articles. I'm just gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about all of them, but I'm gonna read off some of their titles. So one of the ones that I read was one way that crazy rich Asians is a step backward. And it's by Mark saying Putterman. And he talks about how like this is there. It's undeniable that crazy rich Asians is an important achievement in Asian representation in film and media. Yes. But he talks about the, the reality that the type of Asian that we see in the film is like a model Asian. Oh yeah. Even though they're a lot of them are in Singapore, like they're like the Asians we want to deal with. They speak good English. Yeah. They don't have an Asian American or they don't have um like that thick accent that. Oh yeah. The, the dad, the uh, dad. What's his on. name? Um, He's really famous. He is. He is. I'll find it. He's in community. Yeah. If you just wait. He kind of mocks it in one of the scenes in the film. Ken Jeong. Yeah. I knew it was something like that. Yeah. Ken. Kim. No, I knew it was, I thought it was Jeong. I was like, it's like, it's, no, it's, it's like Astrid it's Leong, but like, of the Leongs, you know, they all Yeah, I'm sure I'm saying it. And I hope listeners of the podcast know, I'm, in general, 
I'm appalling at pronouncing everyone's name. I'm not, I'm, inten- I'm, I'm sorry. I just appall, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I'm bad at pronouncing names. Um, but Ken Jeong makes fun of it in one of the scenes in the film. And so like, these are like the accepted, these are like the good Asians. The Asians that white people want to watch in films. Mm. And um, another example of a film like uh, that has reached critical success that doesn't have that kind of issue as much as Parasite. Because yeah, I knew still, you were going to bring up Parasite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, there are criticisms to be had around its cultural significance, but it is definitely a significant film. Yes, um, and I are those, my question to you, mm-hmm. are those somewhat addressed by Kevin Kwan almost being self-aware of that and calling the book Crazy Rich Asians? Because he's like, this is the demographic that white people will probably like the best. Like, these are ones who are... Well, I think that's a great segue into talking about some of the differences between the book and the movie. Great. So I think the book does a better job at kind of that self-awareness than the movie does. Okay. But I think that's because the movie is trying to be one thing and the book is something else. Yeah, I agree with that. And I I think they both hit home in different ways. And I think it's important. This is a really great conversation to have because when you're considering adaptations like this one, it means something different than your typical say, Artemis Fowl representation, you know? Uh, sure. it, it, unfortunately, it's a reality that when we have films like this, they they are a bar yeah. that other films are going to have to... That, uh. that are, you know, if, if it meets a certain level, it could pave the way for other films like it, and if it doesn't, yes. then it could bomb their chances. So, yes. uh, so one of the differences between the book and the movie is that Rachel and Michael don't really get to talk about how absurd the wealth is oh you're right sorry always be my maybe and then the other one with ron reynolds is called um definitely maybe and I, the reason I, lo- I looked it up is just because you were just talking about it setting the bar and i was curious if always maybe came out after and it did it came out in 2019 which was after crazy rich asian success yep yeah um so can you can you ask the question again sure <laughs> Um, I'm losing it. No, no, I interrupted. There's a lot. I there's a lot in my head there's, right now. Yeah, there is a lot. It's there's a lot to dive into, and I'm sorry for interrupting you. I just, I well, from what you said, triggered me, and I was really curious because I agree with you. Like it did, it set the standard, and it showed that it could be done um, with an all Asian cast, and you know, yeah. and um, always be my maybe is the same thing. Like it was very successful. Um, my question was, do you think Kevin Kwan was kind of aware of how um, Americans and white people in general would find it more palatable? to see this type of Asian demographic given to them, the one, because you were talking about how they are the Asians who don't have an accent and they're, like, very wealthy and they are very, like, European in the way they look more, in, in that kind of more traditional sense. Um, from what I read, I'm pretty sure that Kevin was sort of writing about, like, the the Singapore that he knew. Um, oh, yeah. So it was, Is that Singapore that he knows? It was more from personal experience, not yeah. like all the stories, but kind of the, the kinds of people that he knew. But like we, so Rachel and Michael both bring to the forefront kind of the absurdness of the world they live in. Mm. And I think that brings a really nice contrast to the achieved standards because, like, in the movie, it's, you know, we watched Cinema Sins about it, and it's like, it is, it's a very Scrooge McDuck type of portrayal of wealth. Like, wealth is the ultimate achievement. Being wealthy is the best thing. But there's not any really criticisms of, like, yeah, but you have so much wealth, you literally couldn't spend it in your lifetime. Yeah. Like, going to a store and spending $1.2 million on a pair of earrings is absurd. Yeah. It's, it's actually absurd. It's absolutely absurd. That's more than... Five times our house. Yeah. The amount of money that they spend in the film, like, they spend, what, $40 million on Air Mentally and Colin Coo's wedding? Yeah. Or more? Yeah. Um, and the book, I think it's $80 million. It's, yeah. It's quite a significant amount of money. Like, it's, it, it's the kind of money that could change the world if it was being spent in different ways. Yes, definitely. Um, yeah. But then, and, yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I think the book is more self-aware of that than I agree. Yes. the film is. Yeah, I agree um, with that. I think the film tries to assimilate, and I think there's a reason it tries to assimilate. Because to me, the film is trying to say, like... Because they did a a huge marketing campaign where they took famous movie posters and they took Constant Wu and Henry Golding's face and put them on, like, famous movie posters and and were saying, like, James Bond starring Henry Golding. Like, it could have been him. And what what they were saying with the film was, you could have cast Asians. It would have been successful. Yes. In, in famous films. And so th- for me, the film was like, 
you could have like all of these we've we've seen this story before it's not a new story but what the film is saying is like you could have seen it with the asian characters yes and it would have been fine we could have an asian cinderella mm. you know because const rachel chu's character is sort of a cinderella we could have an asian cinderella absolutely um, i mean it would be amazing like imagine this imagine a world where disney for example with ariel snow white sleeping Beauty. Sleeping Beauty, I don't know why I said that weird. Sleeping Booty. Sleeping Booty. Sleeping Booty. Uh, Cinderella. Ooh, Sleeping Booty. <laughs> That's gross. Because <laughs> um, these women will, if they were real, would live in countries all over the world. Yeah. Imagine if they actually looked like the demographic that they represented. Like Ariel could be... I don't know, just as a... As she lives in an ocean, so it's actually pretty difficult to determine. Sure, but from Sebastian and the way that he t- he sings and dis- and talks, it appears that there could be Jamaican. Like, she could be Jamaican. Uh, I don't know, because there's been a lot of criticism about Jamaican. I'm not sure. Most okay. of the okay, countries okay. that they come okay. from are white. Uh, uh, uh. And I mean, I understand that we have Jasmine. Yeah. But... It's not done correctly, and because she's apparently Arab, so she wears a bra and trousers. Like, that is what they have dressed her in. Well, um, it's it's the sexualized portrayal, I think, of her that's problematic. Like, she's overtly sexualized in where none of the other Disney princesses are. Absolutely. And that's quite a trope. Absolutely. And if, and if she was a white Disney princess... She would not be sexualized in that same way. No, because you're supposed to be. Because white women are pure and porcelain. Yes, they are. They are the trophy. They are the goal, and they are. They are. They are. Every the white Mary. Disney princess, yeah, could be the Virgin Mary. That's right. But but um, we've got um, Pocahontas and Jasmine, who you yeah, they do wear less clothes than the white counterpart. Mm. Well, the clothes that they are drawn in are shorter, and and, and yeah, and you get that with Esmeralda as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and. That just really pisses me and off. And we also get it um, with, um, this isn't Disney, but The Road to El Dorado, we get it with Chell. Chell! She's quite overtly they call it Chell as well. Oh, yeah, and they talk about it on the, on yeah. the thing. And, you know, as a young lesbian, I was like, oh, I'm into this. But then I, <laughs> as, as a grown-up woman, I was like, oh, no. Yeah, she's, t- 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 on she's the a babe. Yeah, no, she's absolutely a babe, but you're absolutely right. And it's like, it's that whole thing where women of color are seen to be more, I don't know, is it exotic? Is it because they are... Oh, yeah, exotic is a good... The fetishized. Yeah, the fetishized. And we don't see that in the Crazy Rich Asians. We see, like, there was a 1920s, like, Great Gatsby-esque feel to the film. Um, it was, yeah, that's a really good analogy. And I... And I and the, and the film, like, it's it's got almost the same boldness with, like, the music and the lights and the colour. Everything is very colourful. And even this, um, the title screens telling you where you are and stuff. That's... Yeah, yeah. it's like, your favourite film could have been Asian. Like, that's what I felt like the film was saying. And I think that's significant because they did do some deviations from the book. But I think that you have to in this sense because, like we said, it's not made in a vacuum. And Absolutely. Um, You're appealing and to a different The representation in film is it's a different kettle of fish than the representation of books. Like, this, a lot of people have said, like, this is the first big blockbuster film to star Asian characters and all Asian cast. Um, but I saw a... IMDb trivia that said that's not true, but it is still quite a significant film. And uh, we we watched a really good um, now this video on YouTube, which talked about the last ten years in Asian representation. That pointed out like Asian rep- we have seen Asian representation start to really grow um, with Kim's Convenience, The Good Place, Killing Eve, Fresh Off the Boat. Um, we're seeing more diverse representation of Asian characters in film and television, and that's been phenomenal it's been great like i'm and, and and now we have crazy rich asians and um we got to all the boys i loved before and we got always, always be, be my maybe um that's been good so let's talk about some of the other differences what were the main ones that you noticed um they go to a lot fewer if you can believe it they go to fewer locations in the film than um in the novel yeah it's and, basically all about the dinner party yeah where they and she gets introduced yeah and the bachelorette party and the wedding yeah and so for me i always find that a bit of a bummer and i totally get that especially if you um have a budget of 30 million and you have to move all the actors all the crew do all the sets and everything like that like i, I get it i guess for me i love 
both travel but also just seeing like real locations and I get really pumped about that kind of thing so I miss that and I think the different locations did add something more like we missed out basically there's a whole section where Astrid goes to Hong Kong yeah to track down Michael um and he's actually staying at who is the woman to Michael cousin yeah his cousin's house with um his cousin's child and um originally um, he's telling. I say cousin, but I don't actually know. It's family tree thing. It's is very complicated. He's telling Astrid that this is his lover, but it's not. He's just actually he he hasn't actually cheated on um, Astrid, which doesn't get talked about in the film at all. The film is very much streamlined that, and I do miss that. And I do like, you feel like any of the main changes they made really take away from the story? Uh, whose story though? Rachel and Nick's, or from the main story? Is that Rachel and Nick? I would say so. I mean, Rachel, I would say, is the main protagonist of the book and the film. I think it is different because, okay, so um, for an example, we come back from the bachelorette party and Rachel has a completely different dynamic and um, relationship with what she says to Nick than in the book. So she goes and she basically tells Nick immediately about the horrible fish incident. um, Whereas in the the film, yeah, yeah, in the film, whereas in the book, she's like, no, like, I'm not going to let Nick know how badly I'm being treated for some reason. Like, there seems to be an interesting thing about the lack of communication that happens both ways. Like, Nick hasn't prepared Rachel at all for what she's going into, and Rachel is trying to show, maybe prove, that she's strong enough to, like, combat the rest of the family. Right? Yeah. And so when they come back... Where where are they coming back from? Sorry, it's really hard to not visualise the film when you're trying to visualise what happened in oh, the yeah, book. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Because um, there's a scene... I almost feel like the book series... Like, there's only three books in the series, but I feel like there was enough material there that you could have created an Asian gossip girl. Oh, yeah! Like, that's how I felt. Especially oh, yeah. with the texting thing. Do, do which... we often want, though... Like, we want novels that we really like and even films that we really like just to be made into TV series so we can really just sink our teeth into them i think that there is a a space for it in the medium of television right now oh shit yeah you know i think it would be really because we you know like we had pretty little liars and gossip girl like in a similar thing and there Mm. isn't another tv series that i know of right now and to be fair i'm really slow to pick up on the knowledge tv series i'm usually watching them late unless they're yeah and i'm I'm also very aware that our like our scope of vision will be more narrow yeah because we um, have talked about how we are both white, and the pe- most most of our friends are also white, and so the, the 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 content that we talk to each other about is often like they're just reinforcing each other is often from white media. Yeah. Um. And so, like, I was um reading a lot about. Well, I like Kim's Convenience, and I thought you love it is you it love is Kim's Convenience. One of the greatest sitcoms on Netflix and on Canadian television. I'd be willing to bet it. Um, if they don't, like, I'm heartbroken because of COVID-19, it's going to delay me from getting another season of it. And I just think it's so <laughs> good. Well, because, okay, yeah. So I was I was diving into um, Aquafina, yeah. who um, has an amazing story of how she has come to be um, as famous and popular as she, and successful as she is today. Um, I didn't, like, for me, I didn't know she had all, um, her own TV show. I didn't know she hosted Saturday Night Live. And I don't know if this is, we're quite removed almost from more, um, smaller American culture now as well, living in New Zealand. Like, we get, we watch all the I don't know, I was stuff. never really into Saturday Night Live just because it wasn't what I grew up on. I grew up on Disney Channel. You grew up on weird. Like, Brianna's never seen The Simpsons. Like, she hadn't, she hadn't seen Friends. We talked about that. We talked about this. Okay, in Friends Art of was Spell. around. I just didn't watch it. Yeah, but, um, yeah, Aquafina, and she's got, yeah, she's got, um, Nora Queens, um, Nora from Queens, sorry. And that's her on TV show, and she's like, Got all these things, and so I'm sure that if we looked, um, even if we found one that had some, I'm just saying this could have been an Asian gothic girl. Absolutely, I'm not disagreeing with you, and I think more, the more and I really would have wanted it. Yeah, and the more content, because I'm, re- I'm like I'm like listening to the second book and the series because I wanted to know because there's there's talks they're they're in talks for a sequel, and I wanted to know where it was going to go because the ending is very different in the book. Oh yes, oh yes, oh yes, it is very very different. It's almost. Too cliche. I think my ending is one of my least favorite parts of the film. I like the ending. I like them as different entities because, like I said, I feel like the film, it's occupying a different need. It is. It's filling a different need, I feel like, than the book is. 
Yeah, yeah. Because the book has a lot more culture in it as well. Like it, it does. It throws around like um, different phrases a lot more. Like they talk about the hockey in one yeah. phrase that I could not say. Um, uh, they do aya the, a lot. Yeah, aya, aya, Nikki. Yeah, no, yeah. no, they do, and I, I like that, and I, I, I miss the Rachel and Nick dynamic from the book. Like, I you get a lot more of their relationship in the book. You do, and I think Rachel is more passive in the film and i'm sure that is more of a female trope that she's been forced into like because of the same way that the film has been like more palatable for a white audience i kind of disagree she's more confrontational i think in the film like she confronts eleanor twice and she engages in more conversation right whereas in the book she just she's like this is ridiculous i'm leaving yeah but i want to talk about that so like let's talk about some of the other differences so Okay, so... You're doing so well keeping us on track. I'm, I'm sorry. trying, I'm trying. No, I'm, I'm sorry. Okay. I keep like, hey, let's go over here. Okay, I wrote a list of some of the some of the big differences. Yeah, you lay out your list. I'm going to lay out the list. And there's a lot. There's so much that's cut out, so it's really hard. A lot a lot more of the side characters like Eddie Chang get fleshed out a lot more in the book. Um, I put Rachel isn't as shy or anxious as she is in the book. They cut out most of the snooping Eleanor does. Eleanor does a whole lot of snooping, including an entirely fabricated trip to Hong Kong in order to find out more about Rachel's background. There's a fun quip quote um, in the movie where Oliver says the book is much better. He's talking about something else, but like, I was like, interesting. Feel like that's a bit meta. Um, Rachel's first interaction with Alma is different. She doesn't do the face thing. So like in the book, Rachel meets Alma for like kind of like a morning tea kind of thing. And Alma says that her dad could read faces and he would immediately know whether or not someone was going to be successful. And she reads Rachel's face, but then doesn't like tell Rachel what she says because Nick comes back into the room and that doesn't happen in the film. All we get is you have an auspicious nose. Does she miss misidentify someone in the book as well? When she first thinks it's Nick's. Yeah, she does at yeah. the party, but that happens in the, in the film. Right. It doesn't happen in the book. It does happen in both the film and the book. Okay. How does that happen in the book? Then if your first interaction is just the three of them, she doesn't really have an interaction with Oma at the, at the party. Like, it's really limited. So I guess, yeah. They sort of combined Amanda Ling's character with Sophie's character um, yep. in the bachelorette party. So Sophie is actually Astrid's sister um, or cousin. I can't keep all the... Fa- There's so many family relations. There's a lot of relations. I needed a family tree to, like, chart it all out. And um, Nick doesn't propose until after the wedding... They skip over how they got at the boat. Like, there's this whole orchestrated thing where they pretend that Colin is sick and then they fly a helicopter and yeah, they, they literally, like, almost nearly hijacked a boat. It's funny. And then they go to Australia, which isn't talked about in the film. It just seems to be another section. Um, and they also just go just Nick and Colin, whereas there's actually two other best men who come with them to Australia. But I think that, yeah, the two main differences that are really glaring and obvious, besides all the little things, are the endings. So in the book, um, Michael and Astrid don't get back together, but Michael isn't having an affair. He orchestrates the concept of the affair to drive them apart because he wants out of the marriage and Astrid fights really hard for him. She doesn't leave willingly and she wants to stay in the marriage. Um, And that happens a lot earlier as well. They separate long before the wedding. Um... Yes. And she confronts him after the wedding. Yeah. The timing is a lot different. Yeah. Um, And there's like a whole thing where they think that Michael has a bastard child as well. And then um, the difference between the book and the movie is so Michael doesn't or Nick doesn't decide to get engaged to Rachel until after the wedding. He sees her and he's like, oh, this is what I want with her at the wedding. And then they've also been dating longer in the book, like three years. Yeah. Compared to just one year in the film. Yeah. And then he whisks her away after the um, wedding to, like, his favorite spot, which he talks about doing on the plane scene. Yeah. And it's um, after a big fight that they've had because she's about to go home because she is sick of being treated so poorly by Nick's family. Yeah. And it's a big fight because Amanda confronts her in the book, but also with someone else. I can't remember Oh, yeah. The, the... And they talk about a threesome they had. Yeah. Um, and... And Rachel's just like, nah, I'm out. You didn't tell me any of this stuff. Well, yeah, she's she's rightly pissed at Nick. Yeah. She's like, why didn't you prepare me for this? And he's he's just like, I didn't want you to see me differently. And it's like, don't be such a coward! Yeah. Um, and then and Astrid even warns him. So then and then they go away, and then we actually find out the true we get we get two things. So they they go away and then Eleanor and Oma go to the cabin where he's going to propose and intercept the whole it's, thing. It's Ama? 
Sorry, Omar is um, Dutch. Amar? Yeah. Yeah, I'm just saying it with an American accent, but you're right. It's Amar, but... Oh, sure. Sorry. Yep. That's fine. I just... Katie and Chris always say Omar. Yeah. Yeah. And they intercept them and they're like, you can't get married and this is why. And what it is is Rachel thinks... Well, they find out, they think they find out that Rachel's dad is a Communist Party member official who was a part of a construction accident um, that yeah. resulted in a bunch of people's death and his deaths and is now in prison. Yeah. And so then she gets mad. She breaks up with Nick. She gets mad at her mom. There's a whole thing. And they, re- they like, reconvene. Nick's mother, Nick flies Rachel's mother and she finds the true story, which is that she was married to the this official and he was abusing her and she started an illicit affair with another man in the same apartment building who was helping her and they got pregnant and then she escapes in the night after giving birth because she she overhears it's real dark she overhears really dark because she gives birth to a girl and they can't have another child unless the first child is disabled they overhear her husband's family plotting to pour acid into Rachel's eyes. Yeah, so that it's they can have another real life. intense. Yeah, but that's and that's stuff that I really prefer about literature to film is that they go into stuff like that. Like mm. in the film, it's brushed over like I had an abusive husband. This man, we fell in love because he helped me, and that's your father, mm. and that is all that we get. We get a whole the whole escape story. We get a lot. We get though. everything in the book, and it's a pretty. I would say it's a pretty good adaptation. Oh, we didn't rate it. How would you rate it as, as an, an adaptation, adaptation? Seven and a half. Seven and a half. Yeah, that's high. I'd go eight. No, it's it's good. It's that's a good. really good film. It's a good adaptation. We saw this film, but no, no, it's a good adaptation. It is a good adaptation. Like Hollywood, pay attention. You can change things. You can streamline events and characters and locations as long as you stay true to the heart of the film. Yes. Or you have a good reason. Like in this case, it's filling a different cultural hole in the world right now. Are we just rating it higher though? Because the last episode we did with Artemis Fowl and that was garbage. No. <laughs> I know that we're not. Like I, I just Because think I think funny. there are things that are worth taking into consideration. Like... Why are you making the changes? Like, we talked about a little bit. A lot of the changes... There were changes. Quite similarly significant changes in the film Little Women. Yeah. Little um, Women was great. uh, That Greta Gerwig did. Mm. Because it was filling a specific cultural hole. And the same thing with Emma. Yes. You You enjoyed Emma more than I did, though. Are you filling a specific cultural hole? And is that the reason you're making the changes? If Mm. so, proceed. Pasco oh. collect $200. This film's going to be a success. Yes. I was wondering why Henry Golding also looked a bit familiar. And he does Last Christmas with... Um, we haven't seen it, right? Okay. But it's 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 got um, the fire lady from Game of Thrones, Amelia Clark. But what I was looking up was um, actually the runtime. Because I wanted to see how long it was for like... If you can hear that, that's my rubber band braces. Hey, rubber band braces. You can make a song about rubber band braces. Um, it is. I'm dropping a second beat for you. Yeah, my rubber band braces pulling my teeth. It's really hurting everywhere, including my feet. <laughs> <laughs> Where is the runtime of this? Silly it's like film? two hours. Sorry, yes, 120 minutes exactly. And so I think I agree with you. Like they chose to cut certain things and streamline things for the right reasons. And two hours is still like. That is not excessive and that is not too short. Like, it's, I agree. it's a good amount of time. So, one of the things I want to talk about is because Astrid begs to stay with Michael in the book. And she leaves him in kind of like this feminist uproar in the film. Oh, yeah, she totally does. Which portrayal... I can't make you something you're not. Yeah. Because you're not a man. Which portrayal... I don't know why I put that weird tone on it, sorry. Um, up Astrid is better. Like, which one is a stronger female character? There's such a good question because we're talking all about strong female characters this season i think astrid from the film is what hollywood thinks a strong female character is and i think astrid from the book is a a real strong female character why do you think that because a marriage like astrid is incredibly wealthy like a lot of the time in still many 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 circumstances women stay in their marriage because they economically have no other options 
Um, Astrid, that is not the case for Astrid. She is um, financially fine. She's very beautiful. She she would have no problem finding another husband. It would be a bit more um, socially awkward for her family if her and Michael were to get divorced. But she loves Michael. Like, she... She's had a previous relationship. She's not this naive person. I believe she's in her 30s. I'm not sure. But she's fighting for Michael because it's what she wants to do. She's not doing it for any other motivation. Hmm. And I think her being genuine and like, I mean, she does stalk him a little bit. And that's kind of a bit. That seems to be pretty normal in Asian culture. Well, I think in relationships. <laughs> Based on this I film. Think, like, I think Jesus. I, regardless of, yeah, I think in films people stalk each other a bit much. But she's doing it it's because she, that's what she wants to do. Like I don't maybe I don't know maybe it's a pride thing. She's like I'm not going to have a failed marriage. I don't know. And she is even in the book. She is still worried about what her family will perceive of her and Michael getting a divorce and the social context around that. I don't mind. Like I thought that I would, but I don't mind that she's wanting to fight for Michael. Although, although Michael knew who Astrid was when they got married and he is still he he's like he's not okay with living in the grandeur that would be supplied by her like he has to buy the house and like i don't know your question is which one do i think is a strong female character to be honest i'm not sure what do you think i think they're the same and i think they're the same for different reasons i agree with that because as okay, character, okay, okay. hang on hang on sorry before right, you okay. before you get into that yep i would like to know if you were to write the strongest version of Astrid as a female character, mm-hmm. what would that look like and how would it be different from both the book and the film? Like, what? Could, could, yes, yes. I, I, well, I can't, I, I would answer either one, depending on which, because the Michael in the book is is as different from the Michael in the film as the as the Astrid in the book mm. is from the Astrid in the film. They, they, the situations are different. So you don't think there's, okay. Okay. There's not. It doesn't look like just one thing. It doesn't look like just one thing. Of course it doesn't. Of course like, it doesn't. I was trying to oversimplify. I feel like the the Michael in the film is more of a jerk than the Michael in the book. Yeah. Yeah. He's he, he he's he, he his emasculation is much more because of his own perception of his wealth than it is with the the dynamic that they have created together in their relationship. Whereas the Michael in the book, he is emasculated, but as her ex boyfriend, Harry question mark question mark um points out it's he or is it henry is it is it henry am i am i mm, i'll look it up you keep going um is partially because astrid's hiding her desire to spend the wealth that she wants to spend and so she's she's on it she, she because she's being defensive of her her spending um he's like oh she's not owning who she is and who she wants to be yes and i think that contributes to his emasculation i don't think that's in that's portrayed in the book and the movie at all so i think the michael in the movie is a bigger jerk so i think her reaction is more it is comparatively accurate like comparatively feminist but i think in the book you know charlie woo charlie yes i don't know why i got henry yes and who began with a c um i think that like in the book astrid it's like you said, she she loves Michael. And she thinks about that even when Charlie poses the question, were you happy? And Michael poses the question, were you happy? She goes, yeah, I was happy. Like, this is the relationship I wanted. And she she takes an introspective look and says, I can, I can be myself. And in being myself to the fullest extent, I can help save my marriage. Yes. I have a hesitation because Michael, in both the film and the book, he is, I guess, the stereotype of men clipping women's wings because they can't be with a woman who is more powerful, wealthier, whatever, than them. And Charlie, at the end of the book, is basically buying Michael's company so that Michael's ego can be appeased and he be- he can become super wealthy so that he feels like he can be with Astrid. And- yeah. Well, here's the thing. Michael doesn't exist in a vacuum. You know, he sure. he's buying into a lot of the societal pressures. And in both the film and the movie, whenever Astrid hides her wealth or hides her expenditure of her wealth, she's actually reinforcing those ideas on him. So she is contributing to his emasculation. Do you know what I'm saying? I know what you're saying. Like, she's but I not... Mean, you could, in- she doesn't back... She backs down. You know, she hides the properties that she lives in, that she, yeah. she owns. She, she allows him to buy a, a flat. Yeah. 
that he can afford. But in every, like you say, it's not in a vacuum, and you're absolutely right, but nothing is. And so it's almost like saying they're not a bad person, but. Yeah, I agree with that. But what I'm saying is, it's like Michael isn't an unsalvageable character. No, no, no. And I wasn't saying that he was, but I guess for me and the people that I have in my life, I have very, not high standards, but like he, I wouldn't be friends with Michael because he would be too much of a classic egotistical. Do you say that in spite of the fact that Michael's one of the only people who's aware how absurdly wealthy they all are? But I, I, I wouldn't be friends with any of the young family. The Yow family. Would you be friends with Astrid? The Lee family. Sorry, that's from Mulan. The animation. Um, yes. But Astrid's a billionaire. Yeah, I know, but to, I can... Like, I'm, not, like I, if I'm, she... I'm not saying that I'm the pinnacle of people. Like, if I was super well... Like, there's a reason that you and what I... What I'm saying There's is a reason that you and I are married. Astrid's a billionaire, and you hate um, Jeff Bezos. Who's also a billionaire. I, yeah, and no. there are similar levels of wealth. No, for sure. For sure. And I absolutely agree with you. But I'm also saying like, if I... But you like Astrid. Why? Because I like pretty ladies. <laughs> Honestly. No, I know. I, I'm very aware of my prejudices. And I'm like, it's not like I don't have male friends. I'm just I, saying every single character in this book is essentially as bad as Jeff Bezos. Because they could be ending world hunger and they're not. Yeah. And I totally agree with you. Except for Rachel. Yes. And Michael. Yes. I, but but I, they're all both they're all that those they're both but bamba. Both those people are still not impoverished. No no no. But I was you know I read I posted and shared this thing that was talking about how you know humans can't concept they can, we can't conceive of a billion dollars yeah, yeah, yeah. and how much money. I, no, that I shared is. I you shared it from my post. Yeah, I know. I'm explaining it to the listeners. I know, but I'm just saying it was my Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, so listeners. <laughs> and, um, and I was thinking about that. Like, we can't conceive of how much a billion dollars is. And how... And, like, Michael brings this up. Like, he could work and make millions. Mm. And, and, and Kitty... Or this yeah. was brought up at the bachelorette party. Like, these people who are all making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year... Or and, and in some case millions. Yeah, he's making like eight, the, the example of the bachelor is like eight hundred thousand a year. Yeah, yeah, literally cannot work long enough in their lifetime to make a billion dollars. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, you either exploit people to become super wealthy or you inherit it. Yeah, that is it. And you, you can't. And you inherit it from it. people who've exploited people. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. You know, like or exploited. You know. Yeah, I've noted. We're about 50 minutes in. I know. And, and we're not talking about everything. No, but we, let's, let's keep, we can go a bit over an hour. I, same question, but Rachel. Which is a stronger female character. Yeah, because Rachel breaks up with Nick, but for different reasons. Rachel breaks up with Nick in the film because he, she doesn't want to be the thing that breaks up their family. In the book, Rachel breaks up with Nick because she doesn't want to be a part of any of the wealth that they are, are there in. Go. I prefer the Rachel in the book because I just like how she's angrier hmm. i don't like that the the film rachel she doesn't she either gets comically angry um or disgusted or sad but she doesn't actually get legit pissed yeah and i really like how she gets angry in the book so yeah. I, I i don't i don't know which is a stronger female lead character but i think they're both strong they are both strong but i prefer the i prefer her aggression in the book because i like that a lot but she does also faint in the book so i think it's i think she's just a more complicated I th- yeah, I think we book. get more complicated and nuanced characters in the book across the board. Yeah. Um, although, funnily enough, um, Michelle Yeoh did not feel that way about the the portrayal of Eleanor in the book. She felt like Eleanor was like a comical, maniacal villain in the book and was less so, more of a family matriarch in the film. In the book, you do see her going to extreme lengths that you do not see in the film. Like, yeah. we don't see that I feel trip like and all that stuff where she goes to find them. It's potential that we get a more nuanced portrayal of her in the second book. Um, in the film, it's kind of touched on the fact that Eleanor's character literally gives up her place in Nick's life so that he can become the favorite. Yeah, so he's raised by Ama rather than Eleanor, which is what she wanted, but she knew that she was already the kind of the black sheep of the family. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Um, and I think that's quite significant. Like, sh- that, that, that is the same kind of character story that Eleanor has in the film, where she, she's, she's doing this because she's trying to create a stronger family generation down the line yeah. for Nick's children. I think, yeah, I think it's the same thing for me. Like, I feel like Rachel, they're both strong and they're strong in the settings of the films that they are taking up this space that they take up in the cultural 
world of literature and film. Yeah. I just want you to know, unfortunately, you're not going to be able to say everything that you want to say in this episode. Yeah, but people talk to me. Talk to me, please. I want to hear you guys' want- story. I want to hear you guys' opinions. Oh, you, want, you, oh, oh, you, I I you want, want engagement. I, yeah, I, I want engagement. I want conversations about this. Somebody why, else get excited with me. Why is it some, I, like, I'm not asking you to dismiss you. I want to know, like, tell me why you want that so much from our listeners. This is what I think about when I'm falling asleep at night. What, what is that explicitly? Well, in this case, crazy rich Asians and the differences between the book and the film, the cultural spaces that they take up and the complica- the complexities of, you know, all of these characters not being the, like, all of these characters not being de- portrayed by actors who are of the descent the characters are. Like, I think it's really interesting to talk about. I can't believe that they genuinely thought about making Rachel's character white. I can. I just, how can you be that stupid? I just... <laughs> Oh, it just would have been a... I mean, is it really it, that it shocking? Have... Like, we just had Aloha with Emma Stone. Oh, yeah. With that list, I'm not sure who made that YouTube video, but it was... It was, um... Uh, now This. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they talked about... And uh, Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. And, and Ghost in a Shell. Yep. Yeah. And they had a whole few. A whole, yeah, a whole, like and, a whole lot. Yeah, and, and the um, Doctor Strange. And, and um... The Tibetan... And she was she's super white. Yeah, her name is... Oh, it's... it's, it's, oh, it's I don't understand. Yeah. Okay, so... <laughs> she's super white <laughs> but like these actors are accepting these roles and these are already established wealthy actors like they're not going to get a no name to fill this role these are all big films and so i don't understand why they're saying yes like i was given an opportunity recently to travel to wellington for something me and another colleague who is a person of color and i knew immediately that if they wanted to go over me because only one could go i would let them because i'm like there was already many white people in the project they didn't want to go and so i was like okay are you sure and they were like yes and so i went but i was like and and that's not even that bad like to play like and i don't know as an actress i'm asking you what's up with white people playing people of color like is it to do with like it's you're playing a role it's fine tell me how can you rationalize that like because i'm sure emma stone's probably a good person you know i think a lot of them don't know like there's they don't know well there are heaps of criticisms out there about like white feminism in hollywood right so they're just really separate emma stone is a feminist and I think Scarlett Johansson is a feminist, but yeah. they're just feminists who haven't taken the time to learn the intersectionality of the issues that are facing other people in their career. I just, it's so odd to me, because I... Because Emma I, Stone was also in The Help. Yes, yes, she was. If I was given a script, I would Google, like, Google Ghost in a Shell, and you would see the history of the show, the film, where it's from, anime, all that stuff. And I would be like, oh shit, like, I'm super white. This isn't appropriate. Yeah, but I, I mean, I didn't always know that. I've only recently, be, like, in the last five or six years of my life, been become aware of my own privilege. So we're all on different journeys. And, I mean, you will find out in certain cases that, like, we're seeing more actors step back. Like, we're seeing them being called out and we're seeing them step back from roles. Mm. Um, and I just noticed I was just listing women just then, but I can't think of any men, but I, there's, there's obviously the horrific portrayal in the breakfast at tiffany's which i'm pretty sure that is a white man in makeup to look like an exaggerated asian character yeah which is just even worse yeah but like um there is uh there's like the last samurai i think is one of the cases where a white person uh it's very good example (laughs) that's very good but it that's an interesting should should really be played by an asian but that's an interesting one because he is not pretending to be so in hawaii for example aloha sorry she's legit pretending to be person of that descent whereas he's like he's he's an he's an american or englishman who has joined sure yeah i'm not saying that makes it's okay. just you know it's just weird oh it's very weird god he, white people are just the fucking worst like honestly colonization <laughs> disease yeah we legit suck sorry um this film's very good you should yeah, watch yeah. it <laughs> Okay, so let's talk real quick about the film as a film in and of itself. How would you rate it? Eight. Yeah, I'm for that. It's great. It's a great film. It's good and it's really fun. I really enjoyed it. I'll watch it again. Yeah, I I would read the book again. I would watch the film again. To me, they are quite separate in like the way they make me feel. Hmm. Um, But the film in general is a very fun story to be taken on. And we're all human. 
we don't mind being shown this fabulous life that while it is very separate from ours, it's kind of like, yeah, I get the appeal. Like it, it would be fun. It'd be fun to be able to do whatever you want, whenever you wanted it. Yeah. Um, I really, I really liked the film. I thought they did a lot of good jobs. There's some great casting. Um, I think they cast the show, the movie really well for the, the type of film they were trying to create. I thought yeah. they designed the film really well for the type of the film they were trying to create. I yeah. thought the, 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 the relation, the old Hollywood feel of it. I mean, they did a really good job of creating a whole, a whole thing. Like I said, like there was a whole vibe. A marketing strategy with promoting this film. Oh yeah. That was around like, it, you know, your favorite films, the Bud Asian and tying that into the actual film production with the 1920s Great Gatsby-esque party that is the reception for Colin Coo and Aramente Lee's wedding. Yeah. Really well executed. The wedding in the film is also beautiful. I love that all, all, all of the pop songs yeah. um, were familiar pop songs. You could recognize the tunes, but they were sung in um, either Mandy, Mandarin or Hokkien. I'm not sure. Cantonese. I, Cantonese. I'm not sure. I couldn't tell you what yeah, the dialects were, um, but I thought that was really... I don't really... even speak it like any second language. <laughs> I speak American. Great touch. I thought that they had some like when they when we get introduced to the island where they're going to have the bachelorette party they do this kind of like real fast cut pause i don't know what this is called because i a fast cut pause. like they do like a really quick panorama shot yeah like it's really fast and they zoom in slowly on the property and it reminds me of like cribs or like a reality TV oh show sure like, yeah i know what you're talking about shot? it's just it's like a sh- zoom yeah yeah um if you want some sounds effects for you. I think that I really loved the ending when Rachel has just been confronted by Ama and Eleanor about her dad. And she's like walking through and all the sounds distorted and it's like... Oh yeah, she's like tripping. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's like she's tripping. When yeah. the music comes in over it, I think it kind of is, you know, it's a bit Hollywood. It detracts from the realness of the situation of that... <gasps> Yeah, Shock. overwhelming. Yeah, um, can't. It's just claustrophobic. But you can't get away from people. You just feel trapped. Uh, Can you tell that Brian have anxiety? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, I thought the film was stunning. So well done. I thought the it would pay, it was paced well. I was never bored. Um, any of the locations. I don't know if I loved the portrayal of Paikland's family because that was quite different in the book. Yeah. Um, and I thought some of those decisions were a little bit weird. Sure. They're almost comedic. Particularly her brother, I thought was... Really creepy. It really contrasted to the other feminist ideas in the film. Yeah. Um, like the whole thing where they just laugh off the fact that he's been taking photos of her... Of Rachel and her mom having their reunion without them knowing. And like intentionally hiding. Yeah, that's... And then they laugh. That's really that's, weird. That's not funny. It's not funny. Uh, it's almost, yeah, um, Paiklin's family was funny because it's almost like they were adding more comedy to an already comedic film. Anyway, revamp, remake, retire. Oh, just one other thing that I wanted to bring up that I didn't get to talk to. And I didn't get to touch on a lot of things. I know. I'm um, sorry. I wanted to talk more about the wealth disparities. We could and, do part two. Yeah. And issues and stuff. And I wanted to talk about there's some criticism around Paiklin's, like, black scent. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, uh, was. and that kind of thing. And I didn't get to do a lot of research on it. But I'm really interested if you have any perspectives on that um, as an Asian person, particularly a Chinese Asian uh, person or as a black person how you feel about that kind of cultural mixing I'd love to hear more about your thoughts on that yes uh, if we have a large yeah. enough response we can do a part two for this so you can really dive into those things maybe I just think it's interesting it is very interesting all right remember make retire I've got mine do you okay yep yeah, got yeah. one ready one, one two, two three, three. retire Oh, oh, swapping around from last time. Um, I don't know. I really like what we said about making it a series. I really wish that the film wasn't wrapped up so nicely so that we could get the continuation of book two and three because I'd really like to see those stories continued. So that's why I'd like a remake. I just want to see the sequels. And I think they're going to make sequels. I think they're going to end up divul- diverging quite significantly because they ended it really differently. Like Eleanor doesn't agree yeah, to give the ring and th- the that's ring. a whole nother so They don't reconcile. They no. don't speak for two years. Yeah, Nick and Eleanor don't speak for two years. And the wedding plans go forward without anyone's involvement from Rachel Nick's family Nick's. except for Astrid. Yeah. And like Alistair. Yeah. So um, I'm really excited to see the sequels though. In spite of that, I'm interested to see how they're going to take it. Um, I think it's, like I said, I think it's going to diverge. And I think, I mean, I think this book ended up filling 
avoid and making a statement that needed to be made in in Hollywood around yeah. Asian films. Yeah. Um, I agree with that. Awesome. So I'm, I'm really excited about it. Great. No, I look forward to it. And I'm sure we will read um, the rest of the series. And then... I'm really struggling with keeping us on track because when we're reading these books, because like, we're doing strong female characters and we're doing a lot of... Um, we're trying really hard to incorporate as many women of color as well into our series. There's so many other issues that I want to talk about. Um, so it's really difficult to just stay on track. But I'm also really enjoying all of our conversations. Mm, well... Maybe sometime soon. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge will be picked up by a channel and then we'll have unlimited time to discuss all these things rather than paying for a prescription. Subscription. Mm. <laughs> uh, oops, sorry. That was really loud. Uh, anyway, I'm sorry. Should we wrap up? We should wrap it up. Great. This has been Chapter One Take Two, a book to movie review podcast. You can find us uh, under chapter one, take two, written out as text in Facebook and Instagram. And if you want to follow us on Twitter, it is ch1tk2. Emailing us is chapter one, take two at outlook.com. And I have now merged into my ear hostess voice and I'm leaning in very close to the microphone. I'm going to come in for my smooth DJ talk over here and just mention quietly that I forgot to talk about the Mahjong scene and the significance in paralleling that scene to the poker scene at the beginning and the genius of that script writing and how it was executed and the fact they did the research to make sure that the hands actually reflected what they wanted them to say. And I think that was really impressive. And if you would like to talk to me about that, I would really appreciate you contacting us on Twitter, Facebook, or email. Chapter 1, Take 2, at Outlook.com. Do you know what we're going to do? We are going to do a part two of this, because you just really want to get into it. There's a lot to talk about in this particular film. Oh, what do you mean? Racism and feminism. I don't need any more attention. Um, but I just think we should talk. I just think. I just think we should talk about these issues. I'm so glad that your American accent is not that one. Are you saying you wouldn't marry me if I was Southern? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Take care of yourselves. Um, we didn't even talk about how New Zealand has gone through a whole resurgence of COVID, and that's been on my mind recently. But I know that's not a topic for the podcast, but people do like to hear about what's happening in our lives, and New Zealanders, <sighs> we're all right. We're getting through. Take care of yourselves. We'll talk to you again soon. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah.